Welcome to another episode of Screw the Stigma. My name is Afra and thank you so much for tuning in this week. There's new episodes out every Monday, so don't forget to tune into either any of your preferred listening platforms or on YouTube. This episode is available on YouTube as well. And it's not just uh, me and the guest talking, but I add clips onto it as well. So it makes it more interesting. And yeah, do definitely do check that out. This exact episode is on YouTube, Screw the Stigma Podcast. And if you would like to hear more from me and see more interesting content, do follow me on my Instagram and Facebook page at Screw the Stigma Podcast. And now I've recently gotten into Instagram Reels. Um, I love TikTok, and um, but I don't like posting content on TikTok. So Reels has been really fun. So do check out my Instagram page um, and send me a DM about what you think about this episode and what you think of the podcast. And if you'd like to be a guest on my podcast, email me at podcast at gmail.com. All of the information is listed in the description below. But I would love to hear from you guys on what you think about the show and what would you like to see next. So feel free to send me a message and I would love to hear from you. And yeah, with all of that information out of the way, I just want to thank everybody who is listening to um, my episodes every week. Uh, it really means a lot to me. And um, whatever um, listening platform uh, you're using, do uh, make sure to press the follow button so that you get notified when new episodes come out. And um, yeah, it's just more and more interesting content every week. So today's episode is with Melissa Lyon West and she shared her experience on what it was growing up in a cult. Uh, and it was super interesting conversation because this is the things that we don't really think about. There's so much going on around us, you know, because we're so focused on our lives that we don't really notice the things that's going around around us. So it was definitely a super interesting conversation. And yeah, I'm going to cut to that now. Hello, everybody. I have Melissa West with me today. Hello, Melissa. How are you doing? I'm doing well. Thank you so much for having me on. Thank you so much for joining me. You have a super interesting story and you're doing amazing work. But before we get into all of that, can you just for the listeners listening, can you share a little bit about your background? So I am originally from Maryland in the U.S. Mm-hmm. and which is on the East Coast. And I was actually born and raised in a fundamental Christian cult. Mm-hmm. And I I was in it for 30 years. So it was everything I knew. It was my family and friends and education and work. And my husband grew up in it. So it was everything that we knew. Um, and we didn't really know anything outside. I mean, we were a part of, of the community, but very separated. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, I mean, it, we knew what was going on around us, but we weren't ever a part of it. And, you know, I didn't watch TV, didn't watch movies, didn't listen to music, didn't read books, um, didn't work outside of our community, had to wear like very um, clothes that covered almost all of us. And the men had all of the control. So we were taught that God had given men this special wisdom and women were just supposed to follow and listen and obey. And so that. That was, that was my, like my first 30 years was in that. And 
I didn't quite fit the mold. So I was very unhappy. Um, but it wasn't until somebody on the outside helped me realize what I was in that I was able to get out. And over the last, uh, let's say it's been six years now, I have, you know, I've gone to therapy and I've gotten coaching and I've gotten, you know, there's been lots of healing and growth and all of that led me to where I am now. So I coach women and those who are tired of living in fear to embrace, you know, to overcome their self-doubt, to embrace their self-worth so they can live boldly. And it's just, it's come from me having to learn all those tools myself how to stand on my own two feet and how to find my voice and, and that bravery and that courage. And, and now I, yeah, now I'm in a position where I help other women do the same thing. That's incredible. And, you know, I'm pretty sure everybody listening has like a thousands of questions. When you said you <laughs> yeah. And also probably triggered a lot of women saying that, you know, men had all the control. And yes. so I want to get into that. You know, I want to know what was it like. So you were born into this church-like community. Yeah. But you weren't allowed to go outside of this community? Yeah. So my dad was actually in charge of it. He was he was the the pastor or the preacher, the head of the church. Um so it all came from a place of love. I really do believe that. I think that my parents really, truly loved me. And this was their way of showing that. And I think that they just wanted us to be protected. Mm-hmm. And they thought that this was the best way. Um, unfortunately for me, it was very soul crushing. Um, yeah. So, you know, growing up that way, your desires, your wants, like what I wanted to be when I grew up wasn't really that important because I was just supposed to be a wife and a mother. Mm -hmm. Um, if I had aspirations, then those kind of got pushed to the side. They, how can you do that? If you're going to have a family, um, I remember one time I said, you know, maybe I want to be a doctor. And I was told, no, you can't do that and have a family. So you just are given this list of rules that you have to keep, which you can't because there's, there's so many and they're so hard and they're so against everything natural. And so I spent most of my life afraid that I would not live up to what I was supposed to do. And then afraid that I would get caught when I didn't live up to those things. And then, you know, there was fear of people in authority, fear of the God that we were taught about just a big blanket of fear over my whole life in that, you know, in that time. So it was, it was intense. That's um, incredibly stressful. Yeah. Yeah, it was, it was. And at the same time, I didn't know anything different. I, mm-hmm. I thought that this was the right way. And I would look at people outside of our community and, and, want them to be in our community so that they would not, you know, end up in hell. Mm -hmm. And so at the same time of being so unhappy, you also, you know, I also believed this because that's what I had been taught, you know, from two years old, we were started, we were, we started to be taught about this. And so I would want people to come in, but at the same time wanted to be out myself. It was very confusing and it was, it was very isolating because you couldn't talk about any of this with anybody in the group because you didn't want anyone to know that you had questions 
because then you were questioning God and then you lost, you know, your status and people didn't think it was, it was a tangled web of confusion and fear and yeah, stress. And when you grew up, so you grew up, you were born into this place. So you really didn't have any exposure to the outside world, what was going to you, what was going on on the outside of your community. So did you have like, I know that internet wasn't a big thing back then, but did you have? (laughs) Yes, I am that old. (laughs) So we, we had limited access to the internet Um, it was just starting to become a thing when I was a teenager, but it it wasn't really in our house. Um, you know, we would go out into the community. We, you know, I would go to the grocery store and the library, but, but no, I didn't really have, I didn't have friends outside of our church community. I worked within our church community. So my job was within, um, so I didn't have a lot of experience with the normal world. (laughs) Yeah. And what about school? Did you go to school or was the school within your community as well? It was. Yeah. For the first part of my life, I was homeschooled. And then the last few years I went to a school that we started within our community. So yeah, even that was secluded. And when you had friends, was it a normal thing to talk about what could be on the outside and what, what were you missing out on? Um, questioning things. I, I didn't really have a lot of friends. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and any one I did have, you know, was within the community. I think once I was a teenager, I started to have those questions, but I had to be very careful about who I said them to. Mm-hmm. Um, our community, people would often turn each other in. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and you would find yourself being talked about in front of the group on, on Sundays. Um, so I had a few friends who lived normal lives and then started visiting our church and knew how weird it was. Mm -hmm. And so I did feel comfortable kind of talking and questioning with them. Um, and I did have a stint in, in my teenage years where I tried to be normal, but that didn't end up well. Um, you know, I, I got caught and it just, yeah, didn't end up well. And And so then I just tried to throw myself back into it, like full force, like, okay, I'm just really going to buy into this. I'm really going to live the right way and do the right things. And that honestly almost killed me. It made me so unhappy that, you know, trying to live this life that I knew wasn't for me that, you know, in my twenties, I had, I had suicidal thoughts. I, I thought about just like running away in the middle of the night and leaving like my family and, and everything because I just, I didn't know anything else and I didn't know how to get out, but I knew something had to give, like something inside of me was just dying. Mm-hmm. I mean, that, that would have been incredibly stressful because you questioning things at, especially at that age where everything, you know, not only are you questioning others, things but you were how you have to you know go to the process of growing up and understanding about yourself but then you have this major thing to think about as well and you know especially being you knew you did go out of your community to do like basic shopping and things like yeah. that yeah so yeah it look out on this like you know people dressing other ways and people you know just you know using maybe their um you know going out and doing different things when you looked at them how did you feel 
so envious. Mm -hmm. I, and so embarrassed. Mm -hmm. So I, I hated the way we had to dress. I hated, I hated when I would make, you know, an acquaintance and they would say, do you want to come do this? And I had to say, no, we don't believe in that. Mm -hmm. No, we, I can't do that. And so that was always very embarrassing for me. I, I didn't go out as much as I could have because I just didn't want people to look at me, Mm -hmm. you know? And and the men in our community dressed completely normally. They fit completely within society. And so, you know, like my, my brothers, they would go to the mall and they would go out and they would do more things because they just looked normal. Mm. And for me, yeah, I was, I wanted to do all of these things. I wanted to travel and I wanted to experience things. I, but I was honestly really embarrassed about the way I lived and the way I looked that for the most part, I just stayed within within my community. So what were you made to wear? So we didn't have like a certain dress code. Like, you know, if you think Mm -hmm. of some groups, they all look the same. Mm -hmm. We had to just make sure that our clothes, they couldn't be tight fitting. Mm -hmm. They couldn't be tight at all. They had to, you know, come really high on the neck, had to cover the arms, had to come below the knees, only skirts, never pants, never shorts. Um, and even dresses, you know, had to be very, like had to cover a lot, couldn't be tight. So I basically look like a grandma <laughs> from, from the like seventies. <laughs> no, no. So, I mean, we really only shopped from thrift stores because you had to buy like old fashioned clothes mm-hmm. to fit within the parameters of being modest. Oh, yeah, it was, it was, I really struggle looking at my pictures, you know, from when I was younger, because I just feel so sad for her. <laughs> and yeah, it was, it was embarrassing. <laughs> because like your teenage years and when you're younger is when you're you know, experimenting different things and finding out what you like. So, you know, naturally, you know, obviously all parents are like, you know, when you go to the extreme and they're like, hey, you can't be wearing that. And yet kids rebel to that, but you were forced to wear something which you weren't, you didn't even like. And how did that yeah. make you feel when you were, you know, you had to wear these kind of clothing while the men out there, they could just go out and be dressed normal? I went through different phases of feelings. Sometimes I would be so angry and I would feel so resentful. Mm. And then I would try to be like, no, you know, that's not right. I need to be submissive. I need to be okay with this. Most of the time I was just angry though. I just, it was not fair. And I, I couldn't, I couldn't understand how they could ask us to live one way, Mm. but they got to live a, you know, a completely normal way. I mean, They still, you know, the the people I grew up with, they still are struggling with healing from the trauma of the teachings, Mm -hmm. but, but the way they got to interact with the world was a lot different than I did. And so that is definitely an extra layer of isolation and trauma, which is, it's funny to think that you could have trauma from your clothes, but it's true because I felt, yeah, I felt so isolated does that play like what now, you know, although you've like left the, left the community and everything, do you still feel like uncomfortable if you're dressing a different way? And do you feel like you shouldn't be? I did at first. So my sister and I went through this process at the same time. We went to the store and we were like, okay, we're going to buy some pants. And I was sweating. 
I was so nervous. And I mean, I was like 29 or 30 and I'm in this store and I'm like, I don't know what I'm doing. I didn't know how to buy like the sizing, mm-hmm. you know, cause pants sizing is different than clothing sizing. I didn't know what I was doing. And looking back, it's hilarious that I was like, you know, this grown woman, like having a breakdown in the dressing room because I didn't know what I was doing. So there was definitely this process mm-hmm. of, of like being okay. Like I would put something on and be like, this is okay. This is normal. This is fine. I'm not responsible for the way any man looks at me. Now I'll just wear whatever I want, whenever I want, any way I want. But it definitely took, it definitely took some time to feel okay with that because I had been so long living a certain way. And I mean, we, I think women in general, you know, we've been told that we should dress a certain way because, you know, if, if anything, God forbid, anything happens, then that's women's fault. You know, everybody just looks at what you were wearing. If you were drinking, if, you know, you were out. What was she doing? What was she wearing? Yes. Never like, what was this man doing? Yeah. No, it's, it's never about the man. It's like, sometimes, you know, it's not even mentioned, Mm -hmm. you know, a lot of times the, the wording will be you know, this percentage of women were sexually abused last year. Mm -hmm. But instead, I feel like it should be this percentage of men raped and abused women last year. Yeah. You know, like it should be focused on the perpetrator, not the victim. Exactly. And everybody just goes back and, you know, starts blaming the victim. You know, you shouldn't have been out that late. Why were you out alone at night? What were you, why are you wearing something that was so short? And I'm just like, that's not going to solve any issue. Right. Yeah. Right. Because it, I mean, if you look at things that have happened, it's never out what the woman is wearing, mm-hmm. you know, like somebody who's wearing something really short compared to somebody who's wearing something really long. I dressed a really modest way and I was sexually abused. I know people in my, you know, lots of people within this fundamentalist group were sexually abused by the people in power. And they were wearing these like, you know, long jean dresses that Mm -hmm. had nothing to do with what they were wearing. It's this, it's the power that the men want to, to have over women. That's where the issue lies. Whew, yeah, I could talk about that. <laughs> no, because that is something that is very important to be talked about. Because, you know, even, even although I didn't grow up in a, you know, cult-like community, I, I grew up in like the Middle East, you know, where we were told that, you know, we should cover up. And then I'm also from a very conservative Indian background. So every everyone blames women for everything, you know, and we're, yeah. we're made to look at, you know, like, oh, you know, you should be the submissive person, you know, you should be, you know, basically anything that happens to you is because you were going against your natural roles in society, yeah. you know, because you were dressing the way that you want to while you should be, you should have been covering up. Well, you know, rape and everything still happens all around Middle East where, you know, even when women are covered up head to toe. So I don't think clothing, and I know for a fact, clothing does not. No, it doesn't. It's just another way to put the fault on the woman and to keep her, to keep her, you know, to take her power away from her. That's the way I view it. Like all of these rules that are to protect us, you know, cause that's what I was told. All of these things are to protect you and it's not protection. It's just robbing you of your power. And yeah, now that I, 
now that I see that so differently, because I did believe that I thought everything is this in place to keep us safe. Mm -hmm. And now I can see, no, it was using fear as a tool to keep women out of power. Exactly. And how did you feel like when, you know, when did you start getting all these, you know, thoughts that something was wrong, the way, you know, you were living apart from, you know, what the men were doing and what you were allowed to do? I mean, like I always had this like baseline unhappiness baseline where I was just like, didn't like it, but I still lived it. But when I, you know, the, my maybe 28, 29 and 30, those were really the years that things shifted in a, in a big way. Um, I started to see how I started to see how women who came into our community were treated Um, and I started to question that. And when I did, I got a lot of pushback and that felt like I was trying to be silenced on a different level. And that felt really just like a warning flag. And then I joined a mom's group online and I met this woman and we ended up visiting in real life. And she was so bold. So like, would just say whatever she thought she was incredibly kind, but not necessarily polite. Mm-hmm. You know, she, she would be kind, but she wouldn't care what you thought if she was going to speak the truth. And I had never seen this, especially from a woman, like just this, this fire and this passion. And I was like, I don't know what this is. And I'm kind of afraid of it, but I'm, I really want it. Like I, I, you know, the way she would talk, I was like, I don't think that's right, but I really like it. And mm-hmm. the way she would dress, I was like, I don't think that's right, but I really like it. And mm-hmm. so she really just befriended me in, in a, such a life-changing way where she had, she had experience with people from my group. So she knew what I was in and she just questioned and challenged and encouraged me to ask myself these really hard questions Mm -hmm. and just stuck with me, even though I was like really weird and I lived this really weird way. And she was, I I mean, she was my, she was my way out just by questioning and challenging and, and helping me to see what I was in. And, you know, that's one of the main things I believe in, you know, when you go outside and you meet a lot of different people, you get to broaden your knowledge and the way you look at the world. And, you know, that's, that's how they kind of limit you from growing and knowing more is by putting. Yes. (laughs) Yes. I mean, we were so afraid of the outside Mm -hmm. and I now, I now realize it was because when you go on the outside, you see that people out there are not terrible and they're not dangerous. They just Mm -hmm. are different. And yeah, that's, I started reading books. She would give me suggestions. I started reading books and then I started, and you know, it was all kind of secret. It was all Mm -hmm. kind of on the, you know, on the down low because this was all not okay. But the more I learned about people on the outside and about normal life and, and about different ways of believing and about different cultures and about, and I was like, yes, I've got to be a part of this. And Mm -hmm. yeah, there's, um, there's definitely a reason that, groups are afraid of education. Mm -hmm. 
And, um, you know, there's just so many questions I have about this <laughs> because it's just, you know, you know, we often see movies and TV shows made about the concept of, you know, living in a cult and what it's like, you know, how you're often brainwashed, especially if you're people who join a join a community, which is like, you know, they are, you know, they're grown up, they join it by basically with their own, you know, want of being into this community, yeah. but you were born into it. So you had no chance of even, you know, thinking that, hey, I don't want this. You were just, this is how you grew up. And growing up with that, you know, ideologies must have been incredibly hard to shake off, you know, and to break away from all of that. But, you know, when you were in that community, did you see anyone rebelling against? Oh, the- yeah. Yes. Oh, yeah. They would. And then, they would leave. So people who like grew up in it sometimes would say like, this isn't for me. I, this is so mm-hmm. destructive and I'm leaving. And then it was like completely cut off. Like we didn't talk to them. We didn't talk about them. If we saw them out, we would just turn around and leave. And so, yeah, there was this like, just disconnect. Once somebody left the group, we didn't, we didn't have anything to do with them. And I was I would go between feeling really betrayed when people would leave and feeling really jealous mm-hmm. and wishing I could leave. And when people would join on their own accord, I did, I couldn't understand it. Like, <laughs> why? Like it, it was both like, I wanted them to follow the rules so they could get to heaven. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I was like, don't join this. It's so hard. And so there was this, like, I was, it was torn by, you know, cause I did believe that the way we lived was right. I just knew how hard it was. Mm-hmm. And so I was, yeah, I was definitely torn with wanting people to join and being like, Oh, don't join. <laughs> <laughs> and you did get to see people during church, like on Sundays, different people from everywhere else came to your church. Did he have a chance to talk to them to even interact? Yeah. So we had two types of people that would come people who were coming that were looking for mainstream Christianity and then would realize what we were and then would never come back. Um, and then we had people would just like really buy into it. Mm -hmm. So, but we never had, I mean, at least for me, I never had honest conversations with anybody Mm -hmm. until I left because to have an honest conversation, you have to be vulnerable and you have to tell the truth. And you have to kind of know who you are. And I didn't have any of that. I I was not vulnerable at all because I was so afraid of being found out. I, I didn't have any real friendships because there was no safety to be yourself. And, you know, I had one friend that I, I tried to open up to and, and then somebody found out and told on me. And then there was like the fallout from that. So you learn really quickly to just keep everything really close all your questioning, your doubting. And so conversations on Sunday when we would have visitors were very superficial. Hi, how are you? How did you hear about us? We're so glad to have you here, but no, no deep conversations. Mm, That must have been tough because, you know, that's also a way of cutting you off from people. And I want to know about the dark stuff that went behind this, you know, walls of being a church. 
do you like what 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 of the things that happen because one thing that i do know is that when you're told no to a lot of things like you cannot do a lot of things that's when people tend to do those things because you know yeah. you are. <laughs> <laughs> well you know when i said that we we um had the list of rules but none of us could keep them mm-hmm. and so i mean we learned to be incredible liars mm-hmm. because yeah we did want to experience life but we knew we weren't allowed. And so we would do these things. Sometimes we would get caught. And a lot of times we would, you know, be beaten for them. And then um, you, would, you would change, but then you would try again. You know, it was this really, it was this really just toxic environment to try to learn and, and experience and grow. You know, like you said, when you're a teenager, you try to find out who you are. There was no space for that. It was really a child mentality, even into adulthood. And, you know, my, my dad, I believe that he did everything out of love. And I think he did the best he could with what he had. But my experience was we, we would go and visit a lot of other churches, especially like our teen group would go in and in, in the summer and travel around and, and go to these things called teen conferences where like the really intense pastors from other churches like ours would just spend like three days just like screaming at you and telling you how terrible you were and and what you needed to do better. So I got this like intense teenage years of being brainwashed, being told how terrible I was and how I needed to change and how I needed to live. And and you know, there's like this power trip that these, that these men would be on. And so many of them since have been found out and, you know, like dozens of people have come out about sexual abuse and, and things like that. And there was, there was this hierarchy where, you know, the pastor had all of the power and if he was a good guy, then there was less abuse. But if he was a bad guy, Mm. There was so much abuse. I mean, I am thankful that my dad actually believed everything and he lived out the rules. He, he was, I believe he was a good guy who just chose what he thought was best, but he, he was, you know, these other guys that I listened to and the, that were so influential in my life, they were just like power hungry. And, and yeah, so much, so much, when you talk about the darkness, there was so much abuse. It was a breeding ground for abuse. The women and children had no power. Men were next to God. It was like, they had all the power and, and it was taught that it was okay to beat your kids, that, you know, your wife's job was to be with you no matter what. And so it was like church sanctioned rape, basically. Um, and, you know, it was definitely a, like a hyper view of this in my group. But when I came out, there's so much of that in our society anyway. You know, like the, the patriarchy is still alive and well in the rest of our culture. It was just so heightened within my group where those pastors had all the power. That's so scary thinking about that, how this one person, 
you know, it's just basically what you know of them or what they portray to the rest of the people, but you never know what their true intentions are. And giving this person so much power, that just seems, you know, that that's such an incredibly scary thought because you don't know what could happen if they abuse the power. You know, I'm, and I want to know more about the abuse that went behind in terms of like sexual abuse. And were you able to come forth and say that, hey, this is what's happening? Were the women allowed to report? So within our group that I know of, there wasn't a lot of sexual abuse, like within our church group. But the mm-hmm. fundamentalist cults, you know, it, it's throughout the U.S. And there, that's what I mean, like depending on which church, there was so much. And it was not encouraged to come out at all because Mm -hmm. they would call the pastor, the man of God. And you never said anything against him. You never accused him of anything. And if you did, the rest of the church would support him, not you. And so, you know, like I said, within my immediate group, I didn't experience this, but I have a lot of friends who were in other churches just like this. And they, they were in their, 20s and 30s before they came out and had, you know, had the healing enough to be able to say in the, that this had happened. And as if those cases go, normally when one woman speaks up, you know, soon after mm-hmm. there's so many. And so, you know, I have friends that came from groups where like 10, 15, 20 women have come out saying this pastor or this youth pastor or this man who was in charge at the church so there, yeah, I mean, there's, there's been articles in the newspaper, like researching this and, and it's, de- it was definitely prevalent because women had no platform of power mm-hmm. and they weren't believed. And, and a lot of times you just think it's your fault. You know, the way that, that women were taught, everything was their fault. When these things happened, you were like, what was I wearing? what was I doing? Did I say no? Should I have stopped something? Should I? And so, yeah, it was just, it was the perfect place. If you wanted to abuse somebody, if you wanted to have, you know, power over people, it was just set up Mm -hmm. that you just didn't question. And, you know, and there are people still in this kind of communities. And I just want to know, how is this legal? (laughs) How is it legal? Oh, I, Technically, no one is held against their, their will, right? There's Mm -hmm. in our group, we looked like just mainstream Christians at first. Mm -hmm. And it's not until you really get involved in these groups that you see how destructive they are. And, you know, when people are in there voluntarily, it's, 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 it's tangled. It's a tangled web, you know, like they have the free will to be there. You know, I had the free will to be there when I was an adult, even though I didn't really, you know, like I didn't mm-hmm. know how to get out, but I would never have said that I was, that I was in a place where I needed help. I didn't know. I didn't know that I was, you know, like caged. And so you know, you know, in our, in our country is very, um, Christian. And I put that in air quotes and the Christian community is not 
very hospitable to being questioned. Mm. They think that they're very right. And since we were within that community, we were just very extreme. We were very, you know, as far right as you could go almost. We could blend in a little bit. Well, not the women so much, but, <laughs> and so it doesn't, I mean, it's technically not illegal. But, it, you know, in a way, if you think about it, although you had your quote unquote free will to leave, it's just that all those teachings that were, yeah. you know, in basically they embedded into your brain that you know this is how you should act so even the thought of leaving must have seen the most craziest thing you know and I feel like where would you go what would you do I didn't know anybody on the outside like there was no other option and yeah like you said from you know two years old we are taught these things and when you hear something your whole life it's normal Mm. even if it's wrong it's normal and so that's definitely where I was And now at least we have, you know, social media to learn more things and understand what's right and what's wrong. And a lot of the people, especially women right now, they're coming out and talking about sexual abuse and more women feel comfortable talking about it because of, you know, all the support they're getting as well as, you know, women, more women, you know, it's like it's growing and growing because, you know, people are understanding that it's okay to come out and speak about this, but, you know, you did not have that platform and you did not have the, you know, source to go and learn more and to interact with more people. But when, you know, how, why did you realize that around the age of, you know, you started questioning a lot of things, but, what made you like real what made you have the final push to leave this place yeah so i had i had my fourth child um after i had met this woman mm-hmm. and i was i was very unhappy and i knew i was unhappy and i had all these questions and i knew how toxic it was i just didn't know how to leave But when I had my fourth child, I had severe depression Mm -hmm. and I, I just, I mean, it was really dark. It was really dark. And honestly, it kind of broke me where I was just, I couldn't live like that anymore. I on, I couldn't live. Like I was visualizing self-harm in a really destructive way. And that really scared me and my husband. And we were finally like, okay, this is, this is it. And by that time I had started to surround myself with really strong women and I had access to social media. And so I was, you know, seeing and learning. I had started to read from other people and experience different ways of thought. And, but yeah, once I got to that point, I was like, we have, we has, has, something has to give. And by listening to other people, I realized that there was access to freedom. And then I did have this chance Mm -hmm. and I was strong enough and I was brave enough. And I just borrowed all of that courage from these other women and just took one little step each day until I, you know, I felt strong enough where we could just leave. And we left the church first and then we left the community because we lived there. And Honestly, driving away from the community was just, it was really hard because I had so many, you know, like connections there, but it was so freeing. I felt Mm -hmm. like, 
okay, now we're starting our life. You know, we're like 30 years old, but we're starting our life now. And it was just a whole new sense of freedom. And that's really where I started to discover who I was and what I believed. And, and, you know, normally what people go through in their, you know, late teens and early twenties, I was going through in my thirties. But what I did find was, you know, as unique as my story was, so many people resonated with it, Mm. especially women. They were like, yes, I'm afraid to say what I think. And I feel like I'm stuck in my life. And which is what led me to my work now is that I wanted my story to be bigger than just my story. I wanted it. I wanted people to see my story and say, okay, she went through that and she survived and she's thriving. I can get through my trauma too. Because I mean, we all have trauma, right? No matter what our past is, we all have trauma. (laughs) That's a conversation, right? And so I, my hope is women see, you know, if she can do that, I can borrow some of her courage to do what I need to do. And that there's this ripple effect of hope and healing. And as women find their voice and really speak up and step into power, then the whole dynamic shifts, the whole world shifts because men have held the power for so long in so many cultures. Mm -hmm. And yeah, so that's my, that's my hope. I just want to change the whole world. No big deal. (laughs) (laughs) That's, Honestly, that is incredible because, you know, you mentioned that point that women are held, you know, they are basically controlled in a way that's, you know, how they act, what they do. And it's even though, you know, now, you know, we're, we're learning to break out of it. There's a little voice in our head that makes us feel like, you know, we're doing something wrong, you know, like, (laughs) could I be doing this? Yeah. 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 Because, you know, especially, you know, you mentioned that men, kind of take women's voices away by making them feel like, you know, to be submissive, to feel like they need a man to basically yeah. survive in the world. But then you more, the, you know, you decide to do things by yourself, you realize that you actually don't need one, you know, right. one, yeah, you don't really <laughs> yeah. need a man. <laughs> If you want some, if you want to be with, you know, a man, that's sure. That's great. You know, wanting and needing is something that's different, but completely different. Yeah. It's a partnership rather than like an ownership. Exactly. Yeah. A lot of our cultures and, you know, um, in a lot of countries, you know, even till now, especially like in the Indian uh, community and, you know, even in the Middle Eastern community, I, I've, you know, it just makes us, they make us believe that we need a man to function and to live out our lives, which I feel like is the the most best lie that they can make. Right? <laughs> yeah. And it takes your power away. If yeah. you believe that, then you're like, you're right. Okay. Well, you decide for me. Yeah. And- I feel like that's one of the main things that need to change because when women believe that they need a man to basically live out their life, it makes them, you know, more submissive in terms of, you know, they don't speak out their thoughts. They don't, they are, they, they basically go through abuse in different ways. And even if they are being abused, they, they don't speak up about it because they think that they need a man to, you know, to go on in their life. And what you're doing is incredible. And because you're, you're not only, you know, teaching, you're not only sharing your story on how you broke free from this 
you know, this place of that controlled you in every single way, but you're also empowering women to know that it's okay to just, you know, be by themselves and not only that, to be strong individuals. And I think that's what we really need right now, especially, you know, because everyone, we're all just trying to figure out life. But I think one of the things- That's for sure. (laughs) That's for sure. And we're all trying to, you know, learn what works for us and what doesn't. But I don't, I, I highly don't believe in places like, you know, those you know, communities, especially that makes women believe that, hey, you know, this is how you should be. And this is what you should be doing, which is why I don't I don't blame religion. Yeah. But I think it's really about the people who are in charge of this. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's I mean, I think it comes down to the power, right? The people mm-hmm. in charge. If they can get you to believe these rules and follow them, then they have the power over you. And like you said, they trick us into thinking that we're not powerful enough. And I don't think it's that women need to become powerful. I think it's that we're already so powerful. Yes. And once we realize that, it's actually scary for Mm -hmm. the power that, you know, the people in power, when a woman fully steps into her power, the people in charge are like, no, stop. Wait, what? <laughs> I, no, we do not like this. Yeah. So I just want women to know that you're already powerful enough. And, you know, we've been trained since young that, you know, especially, you know, women are told that, hey, this is you supposed to do five things at once. And, you know, you're responsible yeah. for 10 other things. So it's I feel like women are naturally that's why they say that women mature faster because you know we we're in charge and responsible for doing a lot of things and although it's not you know our job to do all all of those things it's just that (laughs) it's just what you know they're told us to do and I want to know when you broke out of this place after 30 years of living there 30 years that's that's a lot long time (laughs) long time yeah. How did you, you know, interact with the outside world? You know, were you, I can't, you know, I'm, I'm very socially <laughs> awkward and that yeah. me being, you know, I can, I have the chance to go outside and yet I'm very awkward. How did you? Well, I am very outgoing. I'm, I'm very outgoing. I love to talk to people. And so, you know, I did start going to therapy and that really helped, help me. And then, you know, once I looked normal, once I was able to dress normally, I felt more comfortable. And then part of my healing journey was sharing my story. Mm. I would share it with everybody. Like if, if we were at the park with my kids and somebody sat down next to me, I would share my story. And, and I really started to connect with a lot of people, a lot of women that way. And, you know, I would say, you know, I was afraid and I was afraid to speak up for myself. And, and what I found was a lot of people would say, Oh, me too. I, I understand that even though we had completely different lived experiences, Mm -hmm. they, they, you know, there was that common, that common bond when I started to open up and be vulnerable. And I also had a group of women that we would meet every six weeks and like go away for 24 hours. And that was a really healing experience for me. These being around normal women who supported me as I was finding myself and healing. And I think that's, that's honestly how I like integrated into society was by having really strong women support me, Mm -hmm. which is, it's the reason that my whole 
you know, my whole business is based around supporting women Mm -hmm. that we are not meant to do this alone. And that, you know, it's so hard and sometimes even impossible. Like, I think I still would be in it if it weren't for that woman who helped me. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah. And for me, it was just one step at a time, just one day at a time and really surrounding myself with women. And (laughs) now that I think about it, I was so ready. I was so ready to just be normal and, and, you know, be out living life that I just, just went all in. I just went all in and was just excited. (laughs) You know, that's, that's really great because I know for a fact that it must've been incredibly difficult transitioning from, I can't even imagine the amount of, you know, difference there was you know I'm pretty sure it was very liberating but it's the the change you know that must have been a very harsh change from you know being completely in this you know little tiny community where you can only talk to like 10 people and that's it to like you have the opportunity to go out and talk to anyone that you want and do anything that you want and that must have been (laughs) it was definitely overwhelming I was like okay wait now what do I want to do like it was just suddenly there was too much opportunity almost, you know? So yeah, there was definitely, there was definitely overwhelm within all of it. Um, because it was like being like taking a drink out of a fire hose, you know, it was just like, (laughs) so, so I, I had to like pace myself a little bit. Sometimes, you know, I would just get overwhelmed and then I would retreat and kind of, and I, and I wasn't doing any of this alone. Mm-hmm. I had a really great support system when I came out, lots of help, lots of, you know, therapy and coaching and that, that those women who helped me. Um, yeah, it was, it was a process, but I was ready for it. And I feel like I'm finally normal, but not anymore because I've really embraced who I am. And so now I'm just weird and outspoken and, mm-hmm. <laughs> and I'm just weird in a different way. <laughs> And that's fine. You know, I feel like normal is too overrated. And yeah. And, you know, that's, I feel like that's kind of boxing people in to not be themselves. So, you know, just be who you want to be. And at at the end of the day, if you're happy, I think that's all that matters. And, you know, if you're not hurting anyone else, that's amazing. (laughs) Yeah. Well, coming out, I had this worldview about the way people should live. Um, And it it affected everything. And, now I'm to the point where I'm like, wait a second, is your life hurting anybody? Okay. Then it's not my business. You do you and I'll do me. And if they're completely different, that's fine. As long as we're not hurting anybody, as long as we're like lifting everybody up. And that has been really, really awesome not to judge other people's way of life Mm -hmm. and letting go of that, you know, one way, right way type, type thought. And that's, that's just incredible because, you know, you were taught to live a certain way and coming out, it's very natural to judge people that are doing things that are very out of your comfort zone and, you know, think that's not okay, but you are being so open-minded about things. And that's just, that's awesome, honestly. Yeah, I am now. When I came out, I definitely still had a lot of the same beliefs mm. because that, that's all I had known. And then I, I was like, oh, I have freedom to put I put everything on the table. And then I decided like, do I still believe this? Oh, I don't. Okay. I'm going to get rid of that. Do I still believe this? Okay. Yes. Kind of. So I'll take that back. And it was 
really like taking everything apart, which was kind of an identity crisis Mm -hmm. because I didn't know who I was. And then that slow process of putting it all back together, it was, I mean, I'm so, I'm so grateful for where I am now. And, but it was definitely a journey. It was, it was a lot of growth and that, you know, growth can be very uncomfortable, Mm. but I just, honestly, I'm not, I don't regret any of it. Mm. I don't regret how I was raised and, and everything I went through because it has made me, I mean, so strong and so resilient and so empathetic. Like I can see people differently because I've been on both sides. You know, I've been on the really harsh judgmental side and now I'm on the side where I'm just like, let's all just love each other, (laughs) you know? So it gives me this unique perspective into both sides, Mm -hmm. Um, especially in our culture right now, it's so polarized. And so that definitely gives me, you know, a unique perspective and, and I do feel like I'm, I'm very strong and resilient because of what I went through. And, you know, that's really great because it's not easy what you've been through. And, uh, you know, it's something that people, we often just see in movies and knowing that you. (laughs) I know. I sometimes I say my life should be like a lifetime movie. (laughs) I think it should be because, you know, it's, it's just so crazy (laughs) even thinking about it, thinking that, you know, at least like, you know, a lot of, especially women, we're all, you know, told to live a certain way and we are from like very you know for the women who are from super religious you know uh, communities and things like that they still have the option of going out and learning more but you didn't even have that so thinking about that it just seems sick you know you were in a little bubble that you were super you were just in a bubble and you did not I was in a bubble that's a great way of putting it yeah have been doing incredible work and I would love to hear about what you're doing right now. You've already explained it a bit, but like just a little bit more in details. Yeah. Yeah. So I just released my signature program, which I'm in love with. It's called Grown Ass Woman Mm -hmm. and it's 90 days um, to release fear and guilt, to embrace your self-worth and to live boldly. And, you know, when I was leaving the cult, I would visit this friend who helped me out. She lived in a different state and I was sitting on her couch one day and her daughter comes down the stairs. She was an older teenager. And she said, Hey dad, can I go spend the night at so-and-so's house? And he was like, you're a grown ass woman. You can do whatever you want. Mm -hmm. And I was like, what is this? What is this that I'm seeing? And so she leaves and I like, I'm laughing and I raise my hand and I was like, um, how do I get permission to be a grown ass woman? Because I, what is, I don't know. And so this program is like everything I've learned over the last, you know, five or six years that has helped me go from just a really, you know, afraid and full of guilt and shame to this place of, you know, boldly embracing freedom and, and loving myself and accepting myself. And it's laid out, you know, step-by-step and I get to work with women, you know, from this really fearful or you know, unsure place and watch this transformation where they go like from this inward unsure person to this woman who's just so, you know, her fire has been lit and she knows what she wants and what she wants to do. And it is, it's amazing. I love it so much. And I help everyone from, 
you know, I have clients who are single and they're just really afraid to speak up. Mm-hmm. They're really afraid of confrontation and they feel small and, you know, the process of finding their voice and finding that courage. And I work with moms who are, you know, transitioning, their kids are going to school and they want a career and they don't know what they were going to do next. And I've helped some women just find some amazing career paths that have been, that's been really awesome. So yeah, it's just, it's for the, the woman who is tired. She's tired of living in fear and she's ready. She's ready for change. No, I mean, that's just what we need. And, you know, that's incredible that you're empowering women. And, you know, it's not just, you know, you're taking your story and you are making the best out of it in terms of, you know, saying that, hey, I've been through this. I've, you know, I was boxed in for my whole life, but now that I've, you know, gotten out and you can too. And I think that's just, that's incredible, you know, especially, you know, you are doing, you know, you're pushing yourself out of your comfort zone and you're learning and you're also understanding women with so much empathy and you know that's just amazing and thank you so much for joining me today and you know I had so much fun talking to you yeah thanks for having me oh my god and you know your social media Instagram you know you can follow Melissa at at Melissa Leon Leon West and everything will be in the description but do you have anything else that you would like to add social media as your works um no that's it you can find me on social media or um, on my website is the same, mm-hmm. um, Melissa. It's actually Lion, oh, um, Lion West. Yeah, so it's it's a lot of people say Leon, but it's Lion. So MelissaLionWest.com and the same Instagram. Okay, great. And everything will be in the description below, so it'll be easier for people. And, you know, I had so much fun talking to you and, you know, getting to know your amazing story. <laughs> A crazy story, yeah. Very. I know, I love, I love conversations like this. I feel like, I love, one of the reasons I love podcasts so much is because you get this insight into people and these real conversations you get to like mm-hmm. eavesdrop. I love it. Yeah, so thanks yeah, for having me. Thank you so much for joining me. And pretty sure everybody who's been listening to this will be like, oh my God, really? Wow. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's a little, it's a little off the beaten path. (laughs) I mean, it makes a great story and you know, (laughs) you are out of it and I'm so proud of you that you you broke out of it and now you're doing incredible things. And, you know, I'm, I'm sure that, you know, they should make a movie out of you. I'm still, (laughs) (laughs) oh boy. (laughs) But um, our series could work too, you know, either way. <laughs> I know, like, what, we're going through, like, so many Netflix series right now in this last year. Oh, just, yeah. But it, just make it a Netflix series. I, I will watch it for sure because it's, <laughs> you know, it's something that we don't think about often. So it's like, oh, my God, you know, people live like this. Whoa. <laughs> yeah, I know. It is definitely, like, it doesn't feel like it's of this time. It feels like mm-hmm. it's something, you know, in the past. Exactly. And to find out that they're, like, people like this now, it's wild. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, for everybody listening I will see you all next week <laughs>